Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, welcome to Journey. Thanks for being here today. Merry Christmas. You could have chose a bazillion other places, but you chose to be here, and we're excited about that. I'll get everybody up to speed because we've been in a series. We've been talking about Christmas at Journey, but we've been looking at Advent. Advent simply means there's an expectation of something to come, and that, that expectation leads us to what we're celebrating today. We were, uh, all, of, all of heaven, all of, all of nature was expecting and waiting on the Jesus, the Messiah to be born. And so we've been looking at things like hope, and we've been looking at peace, and last week we looked at joy, and today, if you haven't guessed it yet, Yet, we're going to take a look at this concept called love. And it's interesting to me because everything about the gospel, everything about Jesus is about love. Uh, how many people have family traditions? They do it this time of year. Uh, raise, raise it real high. Some of them are probably, you sing a certain song. Uh, one of the things that I love is the traditions we're doing here. We always read Luke chapter two. We always do a kid's moment. We always sing a certain song. And I love traditions. And some of you have traditions. I mean, people have traditions like you go to a certain place or you go look at lights or something like that. Nobody, good. <laughs> lights are not a big deal anymore, I guess. So um, how many people have a certain movie that you watch at Christmas time? Like you watch, um, maybe, maybe you watch, like my, my favorite is, is, we don't watch it, but uh, the Peanuts, Charlie Brown Christmas. I love, I actually, I, I'm, a, I'm a closet Peanutsaholic. I actually watched it last week in my office. It was just, it was, I was my, my I'll get a little, 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 little squirrely in a minute because I love this shit so much. How many people, Elf? Elf, Elf? So did, did anybody see Buddy? So I, I don't want to spoil it, but Buddy's here. And... He was standing next to Santa Claus, and he said, I know him. And I thought, yes, you do. Uh, how about this? Anybody ever watched, uh, I think it's called Miracle on uh, 34th Street? Anybody, part of your Christmas traditions? That I don't want to spoil it for you guys. I've never seen it. Um, but I want to spoil it for you. You know it's not a Christmas show, right? It's about as Christmas as Die Hard is. We can have, we can have an argument later after service. But actually, you know what? It came out in June of 1947. And it came out as a love story. They built it. All the marquees were about the two main characters. It had nothing to do with Christmas. But, but they capitalized on it because that's how Hollywood does. They capitalize on Christmas. So it, basically what it was, was, a, it, it, it was it was this love story that was kind of masqueraded as a Christmas story. Maybe you want to take it the other way around. Maybe it was a Christmas story pretending to be a love story. Now, I want you to go back to, and, and here's the deal. Thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, every generation has watched it and thought it's a Christmas. But it's not. It's, it's a love story. How about, how about the original Christmas? You, you know, the, the one we're celebrating, you know, the one with, with sheep and an, a manger and an inn and a little baby and all y'all, y'all remember that one? Do you know that wasn't a Christmas story either? That's a love story. It just happens to be at Christmas time. It's a love story of how the savior loved us. He came across the cosmos of the, from heaven to here that he actually, he actually stooped down lower and, and became a human being because the creator wanted this restoration with creation. And the only way it could happen is that. Uh, there's, a, there's a song that I like. It's an older song. Some of you have been around church a while. You've probably heard the song. It's by a, a guy named Tim Hughes. And it, it's, it's, here, it's called Here I Am to Worship. And it's not really a Christmas carol, but the first two verses are amazingly uh, just the, the, the truth of the Christmas stories in them. It says, light of the world, you step down in the darkness. That's exactly what he did. He opened my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made my heart, the, this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. And it says, king of all days, oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came 
to the earth that you created. That's exactly what Jesus did. And then the chorus is, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether worthy, altogether lovely, altogether wonderful to me. And I was thinking about just that song and what Jesus did for us. And I think it could be summed up in the pivotal. It's probably the balance point of the entire Bible. And it's found in John 3.16. Unfortunately, we see it more at, at sporting events and we see the guy with the big hair and all that kind of stuff. But there's such great truth in, in, in that John 3.16 about what Jesus did for us. It says in John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. That's why he did it. Love, the essence of what we're talking about is this thing called love. He gave his one and only son that so everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then there's verse 17. I call it the forgotten verse of the Bible because we stop at 16 all, all the time and we forget to read the next part, which is one of the best parts. It says, God sent his son to the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. See, it's a love story. It, it, yes, there's Christmas and there's all the stuff that happens. And there's all, you know, snowflakes and all the other characters we have. But at the end of the day, this is a love story. This whole book, I've said it countless times, this is a love, this is a love letter from, from, from God, the creator, to us, the creation. Every word in it is drawing us into him somehow or another. It's a love story. Love is what makes Christianity unique. Uh, listen, you can walk out of the streets, you can walk to the mall, you can go to the restaurant or whatever you want to do. And you can ask most people in the world and, and, and explain what Christianity is. And eventually what they'll come around to is Christianity is about love. It's about the love that the Father has for us. And it's the love that we're supposed to have for one another. I had a young man a couple weeks ago. He's been coming to Journey. He's what we would call a seeker. He's kind of check, he's checking this Jesus thing out. He's kind of kicking the tires. And he said, but I, I, I've been part of another faith for a while. And he said, what makes Christianity unique to all the other world religions? And it, it didn't even take me a second. I, and that fast, I had it in my mind. See, all the other religions that are out there, and listen, that, it's not about, but all the other religions, it's about the deity having the creation done for. So the creation does something for the deity. The creation sacrifices for the deity. The difference between Christianity is just the opposite. It's the deity sacrificed for creation, that he loves us so much that he gave his one and only son that nobody, nobody should perish, but everybody should have it. I didn't come, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to rescue the world is what he came to do. That's what makes a difference. Hey, you want to know, like I, I put a lot of like, like when you think about a business, what the founder of the business says, or if, if it's a, you know, a certain place, what's the founder say? Well, what is the, what's the founder of Christianity say about Christianity? He says it and he sums it up in Matthew chapter 23 or 22, verse 37. He says, and said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. He said, this is the greatest commandment. And he says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So it balances on this hinge of love. John 13, 35, the Savior said this, but by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But you know something? We've gotten it wrong in church, haven't we? No? Like, I, like, just let me have a little soapbox today, okay? Just let me get on a little soapbox. The church has messed this thing up because we've made it about everything else other than the fact that Jesus loves us. We've made it about how the different modes of baptism happen. We've made it about what we wear to church, like we can't wear this or we, you, you have to wear this. We've made it about the versions of the Bible. We made it about the songs that we sing. We made it about everything. We made it about politics. Some, some places, actually, you would think that Jesus was X or Y as far as, you know, he came just for this particular movement. We, we've gotten it wrong. You know what Jesus came to do? Tell us what love was. Show us what love was. Demonstrate what love was. 
As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this. Why did Jesus come? Like he didn't come for this or this and this. He came for a particular person. First of all, Jesus came so the world wouldn't know what love is. I'm going to sing a foreigner song right now for you. I want to know what love is. Anybody else know that song beside me? You want me to sing the rest of it? No, you don't. <laughs> no, no, I'm not ruining your Christmas. But see, the real proof of God's love for us is the sacrifice that he made. Listen, how many people have told their spouse they love them? Okay, if you're sitting next to your spouse right now, you better have your hand raised. There's a lot of people I'm looking at like, I'm checking the room, like you guys are not gonna have a good Christmas. I can tell Gina all day long that I love her, I love her, I love her, I love her. But if I don't show it to her, it doesn't make a difference. It's demonstrated by love. It's a sacrifice. Now, I was thinking about this this past week, and we had a great time. My parents came over our house. We had a great time doing Christmas last week, last Sunday after church. And, and I just looked at my dad, and I just thought to myself, like, here's a guy that sacrificed. He didn't have to tell us. He did tell us, but he didn't have to tell us that he loved us. He showed us that he loved us. He would go into work at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, so he can come. And not, he never missed one of my baseball games, my soccer. He never missed any sporting event for my brother and my sister. He was there. He demonstrated what sacrifice was. He loved us. See, that's what's important that we understand that that's what Jesus did for us. First John kind of spells it out. He said, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse nine is pivotal. And this, the love of God was manifested among us that God sent his son into the world so we, may, we might live through him. And this is love. And this is love. Not what we, that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Now, that's a big word right now. Propitiation. Anybody know what that means? It's not a word that we, I don't walk, you know, like, hey, walk into the house and, hey, Gina, I'm your propitiation today. As a matter of fact, the only time I ever use that word really is during Christmas time. And, and, and I was sitting, I was like, I didn't really even know what it meant. I would read the story all the time. And I was, you know what it is? It's an action to regain this separation from one thing to another. Propitiation is the payment that, 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 that's between this wrong and this right. See, that's what Jesus did for us. He was the, he was the go-between for us. L let me make it easy for us to understand. Anybody ever been to a restaurant? I, 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 I go out to eat. My wife says too much. But there's occasional times when I go out to eat and when I'm sitting there eating that all of a sudden I'll go, can I have the check? And the waiter or the waitress will walk up and said, well, so-and-so, it's already been taken care of. Who took care of it? And they'll say, the guy that was in that corner over there took care of it. And I'll go like, what? like he didn't ask me if he could take care, you know, like, like I'm gonna take care of somebody. But it's one of those deals where that taking care of that check is what propitiation is. That somebody else pay the payment for mine. That's the gospel, y'all, that we were separated from God, that we were far from God, from birth and, and by choice. I, I, I don't want to do this today. I've done it too many times, but like, just think to yourself, like in this room, there's liars. Right, right? Don't raise your hand. In, 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 this, in this room, there's people that cheated. IRS. Right? There's people in this room. You, you've, like, you fudge on that account, that, 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 you know, that, that expense fund. You, you fudge on it a little bit. And we can get worse if we want to. There's probably people in this room. There's probably people watching online like, that have had affairs. I came to be lifted up at Christmas Eve. You will be. Eventually. 
But you got to draw the bad sometimes out before you draw the good out, right? And so we, 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 the Bible says this, we've all fallen short of God's glorious, and we've all fallen short of that moment that, 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 that and we need a propitiation. We need somebody to stand in the gap for us. That's the gospel. And his love demonstrated that to us. Him dying on a cross demonstrated, yes, listen, I love the cradle. But I'm telling you, there's bazillions of kids that were born in cradles. It's the cave that made the difference. It's him coming out of that cave and being resurrected in heaven, just like you promised. That's, the, that's what we're here to celebrate. You know what else I've learned? That this love that God gives us and demonstrates to us also cast out fear. That I don't have to live in fear anymore. I, I love the way the scripture says it in 1 John. I don't know if you ever read this before, but it says, by this love is perfected with us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. Verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And there's a lot of things to be afraid of nowadays, but we don't have to be afraid. And we have a, we have a confidence in what God's gonna do. He's never gonna leave us, the Bible says. He's never gonna forsake us. My, my, my favorite Christmas movie is, is, is The Peanuts, the Charlie Brown Christmas story. And my favorite character is not Charlie Brown. How many people are Charlie Brown fans? How many people like Snoopy? Charlie Brown is known for his little jagged little sweater that he wears. Snoopy has the house, right? And what does Linus have? Yep, a blanket, a blue blanket. And everywhere he walks, every, every show that he's in, he has this blue blanket. And, and, and they, they make fun of him. They pick on him. Everybody's like, come on, it's about time for you to grow up. So he's seemingly now like four, 40 years old in the movie, I guess. I don't know. He's still carrying his little blue blanket around. But you remember the scene? It's the best scene in, it, the, best scene in the movie. He's sitting there and he's getting ready. Like, Somebody tell me the real meaning of Christmas. And all of a sudden he opens up his Bible and it's Luke chapter two. I don't know if they, I don't know if they planned this. I don't know if it was something that was in the sky. I don't know, I don't know how it happened. But he starts the thing out. And he reads and he says, fear not. And it's the first time that he drops his blanket when he says, fear not. I'm going to tell you what, I was watching it the other day and it made me think, what are all the things in our life that we fear? What are the things that keep us awake at night? What are, the, the, what are those tensions that make our heads spin at two o'clock in the morning? I got them. You know what? God, God's love, the Bible says, Perfect love cast out all fear. And that's a promise. So Jesus came to, to, to help us understand and, and, and know what love is. The second thing is this. Jesus came so that we could experience love. Not just see it from afar. Not just look at it and go, oh, that's what love looks like. He, he came so we can experience it. John, John 4, 1 John 4 again. It says, by this is love perfected it, uh, with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. I'm at the wrong verse. First John 4. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Knows God. Let, let me throw something out. I got a friend of mine that graduated medical school not too long ago. And he, he was telling me, I was asking him, I said, how many people graduate and become doctors? And, and he didn't know the exact amount. He said, but there's a large amount that don't make it. He goes, they get into the, the, the practice port of, portion of it and they get into the, the, you know, doing, the, doing, doing the surgery or whatever they're doing and they kind of fail out. And I said, what do they do when they fail out? And he said, they become professors and that scared me. <laughs> All right, that scared me. Like they're teaching, but you know what it is? And he, this is what he said. Lots of people have the knowledge, but they don't have the experience. You know what I'm finding out? Listen to me on this. This is important. Lots of people I know 
have the knowledge of God, but don't have the experience with God. Listen, I'm not going to be like, there's, there's lots of... There's lots of churches probably today. The pastors are getting up on stage like, where have you been the other? We have church 52 weeks out of the year. Where have you been? I'm glad you're here. Even if you only come Christmas and Easter, thank you for being a journey. We counted a privilege to be able to do what we're doing with you right here in this room. Somebody say amen to that. This is a church partner, right? But here's the deal. I know there's people, I know there's people in this room. There's people watching online right now. You know the story of creation, you, you may have actually even taught the story of creation, maybe in a Sunday school class. You know the, you know the story of the flood. You know the story of Adam and Eve. You know, you, know, you know Moses. You know Elijah. You know all the stories. You know Peter. You know Jesus. You know, you know all the stories. But you've never had an encounter with him. You've never experienced him. You've never bent your knee and said, you know something? It's not just about head knowledge. I need some more. And that's what he says there, that... that Let's read it again. First John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. The, the only way that you can live a life of love with Christ as the center of it is to experience him. That's the only way. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 tells us what it is. It's for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. Okay. I've been trying to figure out how to say this today. There's lots of people in this room that are timid about going to church. There's lots of people in this room and watching online that like the thought of going to church scares the bejeebies out of you. And, and maybe it's guilt or whatever. Can I say this? God chose you. God chose you. God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you so much that he, he, won't, he doesn't want you to stay there. In that same Charlie Brown, that Charlie Brown Christmas, do you remember when, when Charlie brings in the Christmas tree and it's that old, like, ratty old, it's all over the place Christmas tree? Y'all remember that part? And everybody's making fun of the Christmas tree? Linus, he must have been a theologian. He was a pastor. <laughs> he, he throws out, he goes, it's not such a bad tree. It just needs some love. That's us, y'all. Now, I know the Bible says for all of sin, and I know the Bible says in, in, in Isaiah that all of our righteousness is fitly right, but it also says that, 2 Corinthians, that you're a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And you may have come into this place, you may have come into this world, a ratty Christmas tree, but all you needed was a little love, and God gave it. Regardless of your circumstances, I say this all the time, you have never looked in the eyes of someone that Jesus didn't die for. You've never looked in the eyes of someone that Jesus didn't love and care about. That's the way the Savior is. God loves you so much that he sent his son into the world so that you may have power to live through him, that you don't have to live in fear, that you can live in victory. Let me give you one more thing real quick. Jesus came so we could demonstrate love to the world. It's not just about seeing what it looks like from afar. It's not just experiencing it. We've got to do something with it. I was talking to a young pastor a few a few months ago, and um, I asked him a question. And I love asking questions. I've been, you know, Journey's 20 years old, and I was in ministry for, I don't know, 12 or 13 years before that, so got a couple years in this thing. Um, but I asked him the question. I said, what, what do you think it will take for you to be successful as a pastor? Like, what do you think, what's success look like? And he said, well, you know, if I can cast vision, if I can raise funds, if I can be organized, if I can do building programs and all that. 
Small talk, we left. Two weeks after that, he calls me up and he said, um, you never made a comment about my answers. And he said, let me, let me ask you the same question. He said, what do you think it's gonna take for you to be a successful pastor? It didn't even take me, like, like it was that fast. And it was this. You have to love people. That's it. You can have all, and he said, well, does this other stuff matter? I said, well, yeah, it matters, but not at the expense of not loving people. I can get people to run through walls with me if we love each other. Uh, we can change the world with people that love each other and go in the same direction. We, we can raise all the funds we need. We can be as organized as we need to be if we love each other, if we're taking care of each other, because we're doing it because of love. And it made me think, so what is my responsibility? What, like, what, how do I demonstrate that? And I was thinking about this. There's this, there's this little city over in Austria, and, and, and it's, a, it's called Rattenburg. And for four or five months out of the year, they have no sunshine. The, the mountains cover the sunshine from coming. So for four months, it's nothing but dark. Like, like I thought like daylight savings time was bad. Like when it gets, it gets dark at like three o'clock in the afternoon, right? Could you imagine four or five months of it being dark? Well, these engineers came in and they started plotting a plan and started developing and they put mirrors on the side of this mountain and they put them real high and the sun would reflect and the, the reflection would reflect down into the valley. And so for those four months, they actually had some type of false sunlight, but they had light down there. And you know what? I was watching, watching the documentary about it. You know what? It clicked on. That's what God's called us to do. God has called us to reflect the son Jesus. God, God has called us to reflect to the world what Jesus looks like. And, and, and I started walking down this road thinking about like, man, that's exactly what our job is. Our job is to do that. And, man, uh, if I hear one more person say, we've got Christmas all wrong. How yeah, many people have heard that? Happy holidays and not... I, a couple years ago, it was the Starbucks. Y'all remember that? The, the red cups? And I walked up on stage with a red cup and everybody laughed. Like, I can't believe he's doing that. L last year, I'm sitting at the post office. Um, the day before Christmas. Don't do it. <laughs> I was outside. I was outside the thing. I waited. I mean, we started grilling out. We had a little tailgate party out there. We, we smoked a, a brisket. It took us 16 hours to smoke. It was really, we had a good time. Like, I haven't seen them since last year, but and they were good friends of mine for that period of time. And then I finally get in and they're playing Christmas music and they're playing Silent Night and Joy to the World and they'll come let us adore. And this lady's sitting in front of me. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she goes, I hate Christmas. I'm like, oh my goodness, like... And I said, well, is it, the, is it the music? I just don't like anything about it. If, if we could just take Jesus out of Christmas. I'm like, how do you do that? That's absolutely impossible to do. Like, I don't know if you know about this holiday, but the very first part of it is Christ. Like, you can't take Jesus out of Christmas. And I hear all the, the, the we're getting Christmas wrong. Getting, you know something? Stop. You know what we can do? Let's get Christmas right. Let's get Christmas right. Let's tell the world. Let's be a reflection of the Father. Let's love like he came to love. That's what he came to do for us. He didn't come so we'd argue politics or a certain version of the, of the Bible or a certain song type. Of, he came to demonstrate what love was. And we're called to demonstrate it back into the world that we live in. I, I was thinking about the, the wise men. And I actually spoke in uh, Journey students uh, a couple weeks ago. And I was talking about the wise men and they followed the star. And the reflection of the star led them right to where Jesus was. But not only that, there was a radiance that they had after they had met Jesus. And I was thinking about this. How many stars in my life? have spoken to my life, have been the radiance of Christ in my life. And wouldn't that be really cool that I could do that in the people around me, 
that I can be a star to somebody else. Amen? Why don't you do me a favor? I want you to bow your heads for a second. God, in this moment right here, I just remember this past week having a conversation with several people on staff and asking about the greatest gift. And it really led me down to this road right here. The best gift we could ever give, the best gift we could ever give is the gift of Jesus. That somehow or another we would, we would give the world the best thing that we have. The greatest display of love this planet's ever seen was when you, Jesus, were sent down from heaven and 33 years later went to the cross and died for every one of my sins. And maybe there's folks in this room that have never, never crossed that line and maybe this year is the year that they understand what real love is, what true love is. Listen, seriously, if that's you today, just have a conversation right now. Just talk to the Savior. Don't worry about anybody else in the room. Just you and this, like, I need you. I, I want to understand this love. I've never been loved my whole entire life. And all of a sudden, this guy's getting on stage. He's telling me that you love me. Would you show me that you love me? Would you allow me to walk with you in my life? Would you allow me somehow or another to figure this thing out? Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you gave your son. Even before we loved you, thank you for inviting us into your family. Father, help us to see every person the same way that you see them. Help us to love them the way you love them. Help us to love them even when they don't love us back. Show us how to walk continually in your love, that perfect love that casts out all fear. And thank you for that silent and holy night that changed all of history. We love you. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.